This is Talent Everywhere for January 2018. Welcome to the Talent Everywhere podcast for leaders building high-performing teams in our fast-changing world. Here are your hosts, Chris Pudney and Gihan Pereira. Hello, Chris. How are you? Yes, I'm really well. Thanks, Gihan. Have you had a good break? I have. Happy New Year to you. Yes, Happy New Year to you and our listeners. I don't think this is going out in the latter half of January. It's not too late to wish people a Happy New Year, is it? No, no. I had a very good, relaxing break over Christmas and early New Year, so there's no chance we'd be doing a podcast at that time. But the the work year started off uh, really busy and productive. I think there seems to be a lot of work around, uh, certainly in the speaking, um, conference speaking and consulting area. So I'm really pleased. I'm looking forward to a really good year. I hope you are too. Excellent. Yes, I am too. We've started things with a bang, so let's hope that continues for the rest of the year. Yeah, that's right. And uh, I had a nice relaxing time over Christmas and the New Year, just uh, barbecues and drinks and food and uh, bike riding and going to the gym. Um, what about you, Chris? <laughs> that sounds awesome. <laughs> As was far less, far less active, we went down to, uh, down to Warnborough and spent some time by the beach and didn't do very much at all. So whilst I was not doing much, it did give me a chance, Gihan, to catch up on some research and playing around with various types of technology. And that's good because today what we're going to do is a little bit of crystal ball gazing. um, And we're going to discuss three technologies in particular that we think have significant impact on disrupting how people work. So yes, as I say, I dabbled in uh, these three technologies. So what I'm going to do is describe what I did, my adventures, and then we'll do a deeper dive and discuss how they might affect the way that distributed teams work. And that's really good, Chris, because um, these three technologies that we're going to look at are pretty significant and they've definitely grown in the last uh, 12 months and they're going to continue growing. And But they're by no means the only new technologies over the horizon or on the horizon. But uh, the, the other things like self-driving cars that might be a little bit further, but I think these are going to be pretty much mainstream or coming into the mainstream over the next 12 months. Yes, absolutely. Yep, I didn't get a chance to ride in a self-driving car, so we had to admit it from today's podcast. Oh, you should do that. You should do that. The RAC here in Perth has a self-driving bus, which you can yes, uh, book. You can book free, and you just go for a 20-minute ride on the South Perth foreshore. It's great. I've done it. And, uh, yeah, you just get in a little bus, and it uh, it drives itself. There is, there is an operator in there with a, like a joystick and a big red panic button. <laughs> but, okay. But generally, like he didn't have to use it once. He, he actually... All he did, the only time he intervened was once when the bus stopped because a car was parked a little bit too far away from the verge and the the bus didn't want to go across the lane to overtake. So he had to restart it, but he didn't have to stop it. There were no emergencies or dangers uh, for, to, the, to um, us as passengers. Okay. All right. I'll go for a ride. And when I've done that, I'll report back and we can have a podcast on it. Yeah, we should do. <laughs> All right. But one of the things that I did do, well, it was just before the holidays. um, I celebrated a landmark birthday. And so Sheree and Lauren took me to a place in the northern suburbs called Ultimate Gaming. And what they are, there's a couple of places around Perth where you can do this. It's a virtual reality gaming venue. And I've got to say it was awesome fun. Uh, But what really struck me, aside from having a great time with with Lauren, was just how immersive VR technology has become. I have got uh, a Google IM cardboard set up, and that allows you to um, get, use your smartphone to give you a glimpse of what's possible with VR. And if you haven't done that, I'd recommend you you know you, you use IM cardboard. 
But the professional equipment like Oculus Rift and we were using the HTC Vive equipment, you really do have to experience to experience that to fully appreciate what modern uh, virtual reality is like. So we stuck on the, the equipment. Uh, you've got a visor, you've got earphones and uh, microphones so you can communicate with, that, with each other and hand controllers. And it was really comfortable and lightweight and easy to use. It's hooked up to a, a gaming PC. But the graphics and sound were absolutely incredible. It's really immersive. I, I, I couldn't believe it. And Lauren was hooked up to the same network or the same PC or something. So we could see each other. We could interact with each other and, and communicate through the microphones and hear each other. And then we fought off robot hordes and we had a bar fight, uh, picking up things, stabbing each other, shooting each other, much like a day in our household, actually. <laughs> uh, but... Um, I was really, really blown away by uh, just how the, the, the experience itself, how immersive virtual reality is these days. And as a consequence, I reckon it's a technology that is going to disrupt the way that we do work and, and become part of the way that we work here. Yeah, that's quite right, Chris. It's not just for gaming, even though many of these technologies start off that way. Um, it is really going to affect workplaces. There are already companies that are using virtual reality for a number of the applications. So, for example, BP is setting up their oil rig simulators using virtual reality. So you, met, you remember the old days of flight simulators where pilots, trainee pilots would go into an a real cockpit, but uh, a simulated version. And then, of course, there was the electronic version. And that's now happening with um, companies who are doing uh, offshore without sending their people offshore to potentially dangerous sites. They actually do their training um, using a virtual reality simulator. Um, and there are a number of companies in Australia that offer that. And uh, that's that's now becoming part of uh, online training and part of the training resources that are available to HR and L&D people within organizations. And even on a day-to-day -day basis for office workers, virtual reality is being used for, for online meetings. So you can imagine rather than just watching, uh, just being in a video conference where you can see people on a video screen, um, you can have virtual reality headsets now where people are in a meeting as if, and they feel as if they're in a meeting in a boardroom with their colleagues around them, but those colleagues could be anywhere around the world. And you can imagine an employee working from home can put on their VR headset and they can see the, the rest of the team either in an office environment or maybe just sitting around their lounge room. And uh, so that that's, that is going to become the next stage for remote meetings or online meetings. I think another consequence is that there are a whole bunch of businesses and even industries that are going to be disrupted by virtual reality. So it's not just for people in offices who can um, run their meetings better, but it's also businesses that are really going to be affected by it. For example, I travel a lot uh, because I'm a conference speaker and my business relies on people getting together in a room and me being there and presenting to them. But if that changes, if people are putting on virtual reality headsets and attending conferences in VR, which is going to happen, then my business model needs to change as well. So I will have to create virtual reality versions of my presentation so I can present in that sort of environment. And uh, it's not just for conference speakers. There are a num number of other industries which are going to be affected by that, um, yeah, even even to the extent of airlines, uh, if there's less business travel because people are meeting in the virtual world, then of course it affects uh, um, airlines' profits because they make a lot of money from business travelers. Yeah, absolutely, Gihan. So when it comes to distributed teams, as you said, uh, the the ability to use virtual reality to 
connect people who are in different places, the need for everyone to be in the same place at the same time is significantly reduced. So when it comes to a distributed team, that's going to impact practically every aspect of how people do work. So travel costs are going to be reduced. Obviously, you don't need to fly people to another country to get them into the same room. The ability to access talent, no matter where it is in the world, is going to be increased because people can use VR to connect with other members of their team. We can do that already, but in a much richer way if you use VR. It'll change things like workplace culture. So at the moment, I work in teams with people who I've only ever... um, communicated with over the phone. I don't know what they look like. I haven't met them in person. But with VR, um, you get a much richer experience, even more so than seeing them in video. So the ability of VR to uh, change the way that people uh, work together and and have workplace culture is also going to happen. Uh, So cross-cultural competency, collaboration, innovation, all of these things are going to be touched by technology like um, VR. Yeah, and I think just in summary, that we're going to see many more distributed teams. So the idea of everyone having to be in the office and working together is still the mainstream. It's still the majority, but more and more, because of technologies like virtual reality, we will see more distributed teams. Absolutely, Gihan. Okay, so let's move on to the second technology we're going to discuss, which is artificial intelligence. So uh, on the holidays... I joined the Perth Machine Learning Meetup Group. And that's because at work, I've been using deep learning, which is a branch of artificial intelligence based on massive multi-layer neural networks. But I wanted to connect with uh, people locally who'd been working in a similar field and tap into their expertise. And I'm glad I did because I met some really clever and interesting people who are doing some really clever and interesting work with deep learning and other artificial intelligence um, technologies, uh, but the motivation for this was because I'd had quite a, I'd had some early success with deep learning. I was really quite uh, surprised and pleased just using simple out of the box tools. Um, I'd managed to set up some image classification uh, software using Google's TensorFlow framework. So Google and a lot of other organizations are taking artificial intelligence and deep learning in particular very seriously. So Google have um, open sourced their deep learning framework, as have Microsoft and Facebook and Amazon. So there's a a huge groundswell from large IT corporations to make use of deep learning and and to get other people involved by making their open source toolkits available. So it had had some early success just using, just following tutorials from the likes of Google, solving things like pattern recognition problems. So in my case, it was image classification and segmentation, but they're also used for speech recognition. So if you've spoken with Siri or with OK Google, then under that is a, is a, a deep network that has learned to recognize speech. Uh, and like I said, I, I was really pleased and pleased with the success I'd had because 30 years ago when I started my PhD, I made a start using neural networks and they were small and simple and they could solve uh, toy problems, uh, but not much else. So I was, it has been 30 years, I suppose. So things have moved on in leaps and bounds in, in neural networks in particular, but also across the machine learning and artificial intelligence fields. 
Yeah, and I think it's really interesting, Chris, if you wouldn't mind just spending, uh, just giving us an overview of that idea of deep learning. Because I remember when I was an undergraduate student, when we were undergraduate students, um, there was a lot of focus on expert systems where you try and extract the information from human experts and code that into a machine. But deep learning is quite different, isn't it? It's quite, it's almost the opposite from that. And it's much more powerful. Yeah, you're right, Gihan. So expert systems are an attempt to uh, get all that knowledge and those those rules, business rules or intelligence rules from an expert and code them up as algorithms. But with neural networks, what you do is you train it by showing it examples. So if you show it lots of images of different breeds of dogs, you say, this is a cavalier, this is a Labrador, this is a poodle. Uh, and you show it millions and millions of examples of different types of breed of dog. Then over time, it learns to distinguish them from those examples. And then when you show it new images of uh, different dogs that it hasn't yet been trained with, it's able to infer from what it's learned uh, the different breeds, and it does a, a very good job of doing that. Yeah, good. Okay, so if you're not a dog breeder, what does that mean? <laughs> and uh, again, it does actually help distributed teams. For example, um, many people now have personal assistants, executive assistants, or even virtual assistants. Uh, and when it comes to virtual assistants, we're still talking about human beings who live somewhere else but now artificial intelligence allows you to have and uh, an ai artificial intelligent virtual assistant for example who can do simple things like scheduling meetings so um, it can interpret emails and go back and forth in an email chain to find a time on your calendar where with somebody else where you can schedule a meeting and uh, that's as good as a human would respond. So it's very difficult for the person at the other end to tell that it was actually a computer who was responding to their to their email chain. Um, it's also been used in things like training, so for onboarding new people, for managing their, their ongoing learning and development. And that becomes quite important when you've got a distributed team where your team members might be coming in and out of the team for on a project-by-project project basis. So uh, artificial intelligence is used, is starting to be used in a lot of areas where previously you'd have thought only humans could provide that level of intelligence. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Gihan. And when it comes to distributed teams, it's worth pointing out that they're really well-placed to tap into AI because already a distributed team is highly connected and is working online using cloud-based tools. And a lot of artificial technologies are, be, are being delivered as cloud services. So how might, uh, how might you tap into this if you've got a distributed team? Well, just keep your eyes open and be proactive in looking out for artificial tools that you could uh, use in, in your team and have a go at them. Like they're not expensive. You mentioned uh, a moment ago one of these AI uh, assistants for helping you schedule meetings. There's this extra AI. It costs 17 bucks a month. That's all. You don't have to install any software or download anything. All you do is CC um, Amy or Andrew at x.ai. Uh, on your on your emails, if I sent an email to you, Gihan, saying let's uh, catch up for lunch, I could say, Amy, please schedule a lunchtime meeting for Friday between me and Gihan. X.ai have access to my calendar, and they'll schedule a meeting between you and me and send me a message at the end of that. And that's all you've got to do. It's 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 an email based technology. Or you could go out and you could uh, pick up uh, a Google Home or an Amazon Alexa, 
and use that and find out just how powerful mainstream consumer AI already is. We don't have one as yet, but uh, Lauren and Cherie went and visited a friend yesterday and they've got a Google Home in their, in their kitchen and the kids were playing hide and seek. And Lauren said one of the little kids couldn't do the countdown from 100. So they said, okay, Google, countdown from 100. And she took care of, uh, of running the, the hide and seek game for them. And I know that you've got a Google Home, Gihan. So have you got any uh, fun experiences? Have you used it for playing hide and seek? <laughs> I haven't, but I do use it for, you know, basically what it does is anything you can look up on Google, um, the Google Home will do for you. Um, okay. So I do it for weather. I do it for asking uh, how long will it take me to get to Chris's house from here. Uh, um, I use it for playing my music through Spotify. Um, if I had Netflix, apparently it's very good for being able to say, play this particular episode of this uh, TV series that I'm binge watching, which is apparently quite difficult to do using the Netflix menu. So um, it's useful for those sort of things. And I think the most impressive part is how good it is at voice recognition. Um, and that's, you know, that has really come along in leaps and bounds. And again, that's, as you said earlier, Chris, that is based on artificial intelligence and that the deep learning network that is using to, to interpret human voices without any sort of training at all. So a friend came over yesterday and uh, he was able to converse with my Google Home uh, just as easily as I could. So it actually recognizes and interprets speech very well. Yeah, and I think being as old as we are, Gihan, I think we have that sense of perspective. We know we've used Dragonsoft and how crap that was at voice recognition. So if you just pause to think for a moment, how incredible something like, I don't know how much it costs, it's pretty cheap, like that is able to recognise anybody's voice and make sense of it and act accordingly is really quite incredible. Exactly, exactly. And it's like $80 full price retail and sometimes 50 if you can get the discounted version. So it is quite amazing. And we're talking about here, artificial intelligence to assist you in this case in your home, but it can be in your workplace, in your office. And uh, as you said, Chris, because everything's uh, with a distributed team is cloud based and online, the AI tools have access to all this data anyway. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, let's move on then. So the final thing that I did on my holidays, Gihan, was I learned about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies and in particular the blockchain technology that makes it all possible. And if, if you're a technical person like me, it is worth looking into that. It's quite an elegant and clever uh, piece of technology. But I also went further than that. I purchased several coins. I created a, uh, an altcoin wallet transferred my coins to my wallet but i've yet to do anything like spend those coins on anything like a pizza or or mm-hmm. something like that and that's one of the criticisms that people have about uh, all of the hype that surrounds bitcoin and other old coins and you've probably been hiding under a rock if you've not heard anything or heard of them before uh, and it does remind us somewhat again again we're old enough to remember the dot-com boom and mm. subsequent bust and and uh, the oracle of omaha warren buffett he says it's all going to end badly and in the past couple of days we might we might actually have witnessed the start of that bust because all of these cryptocurrencies have lost significant value um, over the past day or two after during 2017 going up hundreds if not thousands of percent uh, in a single year. So it it does remind us of the dot-com boom and the subsequent bust but Gihan you made a really good analogy uh, when we talked about this last year uh, between what happened with the dot-coms and what might happen with, uh, with cryptocurrencies and and um, the blockchain. Do you want to 
Do you want to elaborate on that? Yeah, sure. And I, I, think it's a, I think it's a really good thing that there's a lot of hype around Bitcoin because it's now in the mainstream conversation. So people are having conversations around Bitcoin. They're, they're not the right conversations, though. The conversations are always oh, all bubble. It's all going to disappear overnight. Mm. But at least the conversation's happening. And I think that's a good thing about the hype. I, I think what will happen is that there will be a bubble, that the bubble will burst. Um, and who knows what, what the future of Bitcoin is. But I think the underlying blockchain technology is solid and is going to drive a lot of business and even our personal lives um, in the future. I think it's a, it's a really significant technology like the World Wide Web was at the, in the mid-1990s when it was born. And now it's really solid and it uh, underpins um, most things that are happening with the big internet companies like Google, Facebook. Uh, they, they're all built on the World Wide Web. So I think blockchain is like the World Wide Web. It'll still be around even if Bitcoin um, fades and that, that star dies and uh, dies out. Uh, the underlying technology is still there so don't throw out everything even if bitcoin the the bitcoin bubble bursts yeah absolutely yeah and so now when you talk about blockchain there are many examples of blockchain being used in business and it can really help in distributed teams as well so um, for example just recently kodak has announced that they are going to set up a blockchain-based service for helping photographers get paid for when their fo- when their photos are used by other people, so it's a it's a image rights management or licensing management platform, where uh, as soon as the the photos are sold online, the photographer gets paid, uh, and they only get paid a small amount, but they get paid instantly. And that's one of the things that happens with cryptocurrencies is that the the payments can be in they can be micro payments, and they can happen instantly without much friction in the transaction. Um, so that's not directly necessarily uh, distributed teams. But if you're working with freelancers and you're doing outsourcing and you're um, bringing in work, then maybe in the future, you'll be able to do work with freelancers on a much more granular basis and pay them as they do a little bit of work, they get paid and then they do another little bit of work, they get paid and so on, rather than having to hold off payment until it's it's affordable to pay them in, in one chunk. Um, in fact, there is there is a platform like Upwork, which is uh, the the biggest freelancer platform at the moment, uh, which is based on um, blockchain. So it's called Etlance, and uh, it it works just like Upwork, where you look for freelancers, but you pay them using cryptocurrency. And um, so that that sort of thing is happening when you've got distributed teams, where where you bring in people and you want to pay them, but uh, and they want to be paid, but not necessarily in big chunks. Uh, I came across another example of this, which is in a much bigger, more radical scale. Uh, There's a service called Colony, uh, and they call it a platform for open organizations. So uh, one of the problems with working in uh, any organization is you have the bureaucracy, you have the, the power plays, the office politics, the hierarchy, all of this stuff that gets in the way of work getting done. And maybe the people who are actually doing the work are the best place to actually make good decisions about how work should be done, who should be rewarded, and so on. And the idea of Colony is that uh, everyone in the workplace gets tokens, which are, again, blockchain-based cryptocurrency tokens, and they can use those tokens. They can spend those tokens, say, if somebody does a good job, um, I can reward you by sending you some of my tokens. And uh, you can then use those uh, for decision-making. So if we decide, are we going to go down path A or path B on a project, we all vote on it uh, using our tokens rather than using our seniority, which is the way it gets done now. Um, So it becomes a a virtue. 
becomes a currency and it is a virtual currency. And of course, there's no reason why we can't do that with cash at the moment, but it just doesn't happen that way. Um, but if we do have these cryptocurrencies and these blockchain-based currencies, then maybe that will transform the way that decision-making happens within organizations, uh, which is quite a radical way of thinking about uh, organizational structure, um, especially with distributed teams where you do have people who have uh, who are supposedly equal, but quite often the people in the head office tend to have more power and authority than the people who are remote. So this kind of um, democratizes that. Yeah, it really does. Yeah, and some of the ideas people are coming up with for using uh, the blockchain technology are really, as you say, radical and, and revolutionary. But when it comes to uh, distributed teams, uh, one of the things that you can have on the blockchain are these smart contracts. And what that allows you to do is have actions occur. Um, people get paid, for instance, uh, you mentioned the Kodak one as an example. People get paid when their intellectual property gets used or consumed in some way. So these smart contracts, they reduce the friction that would be involved in engaging with remote workers and building a distributed team. You can take on freelancers and as, as you use their resources they get paid automatically and it just happens it's it's open it's it's transparent and it's seamless uh, so it reduces the friction in engaging with your remote workers it also just reduces the cost of doing business so typically if you're if you're doing financial transactions there are some middlemen who take commissions or charge you fees but with blockchain based currencies those middlemen disappear it's all decentralized and those fees and commissions are eliminated as well so it's just going to reduce the costs of financial transactions that your that your business and team might be involved in, uh, and Gihan, you mentioned Colony. That's that, that is really a radical idea. So these DAOs, as, as they're called, distributors, distributed autonomous organisations. I think they are that that way of making decisions. Decisions are what drive the the work that your team does and that your organisations do. If you could use something like the blockchain to democratise that decision-making process and it's more of a meritocracy, uh, people have earned the credits that allow them to influence decisions, that's really quite a radical and a quirky, a quirky or radical idea for how your team um, makes its decisions. Uh, and finally, look, if you are one of these middlemen that I alluded to before, if that's what your business is based on, then you may well find that you're getting displaced. Uh, if you're a bank or a broker, then then blockchain might take over for the work that you're doing. Yeah, great. Great. So I think we covered three areas, Chris, in, in a reasonable amount of detail. So we looked at virtual reality, we looked at artificial intelligence, and we looked at blockchain. And these are big and current technologies, they're not necessarily the way of the future, they're the way of the present. And they will be the way of the future as well, but don't, don't disregard them just because you think they're too far off in the future. And, and I reckon if you're in any business, any role in any business, look at those technologies. Uh, be proactive about exploring them. Don't wait for your competition or your colleagues or your, your peers to do that and then learn from them. Actually, be proactive about it. Um, one of my messages that I often give to my clients, either in conference presentations or in my mentoring and consulting, is disrupt yourself. 
So don't assume that the next step forward is going to be one step from where you are now. So, for example, if you decide that you need to get a new personal assistant or a new uh, EA or a VA, um, look around and see if there's an artificial intelligence version of it. If you decide that you're going to get uh, a new video conferencing facility, maybe look around and you find that for not much more and maybe even for less, you can get a full virtual reality facility. Um, And especially if you're working with a largely an office-based team, consider what would it take to make it easy for you to have a distributed team um, and then put those things in place. So if you're not cloud-based, put things in the cloud. If you don't have stuff online, put things online. If you're using a lot of paper, then try to go paperless as quickly as possible because creating that infrastructure for then adding on these technologies, that's a big first step. And if you don't have that in place, it's a much bigger barrier to put that in place. Yep. And if you already have those things in place, then you are well-placed to take advantage of and to, to try something disruptive along the lines of either blockchain or art, or artificial intelligence or VR or maybe self-driving vehicles. Uh, yeah, so take uh, the opportunity to disrupt yourself, as you've suggested, Gihan. And uh, for more great ideas like this, we'll be back in the future with another podcast uh, on Talent Everywhere. And in the meantime, you can visit talenteverywhere.com.au where you'll find we have a link to our blog and we'll have a um, an article in that blog related to this particular podcast where we'll have some links about some of the things that we've spoken of. So... Thanks, Kihan. Thanks for your time. And until next time, take care. Yeah, thanks very much, Chris. Bye for now. For show notes, past episodes and more, visit talenteverywhere.com.au. And remember, great minds don't think alike.